0: ...that I'm about to open the Word of God at about the same time I used to before the pandemic. And so that's, I suppose, a good thing. Um, I, it might be a little lengthier, uh, today's message, than usual, so I hope you can hang on. Think about it like this. The restaurants will be perhaps less full at uh, the time you get there with your mom. <laughs> If you'll open your copy of the scripture, for the first place to look, um, Romans chapter 1. This morning, the message is entitled, as you perhaps know already, "Fallout from the Fall. Fall Out from the Fall. God, our Father, we thank you for the privilege of looking at your word, studying it hearing it taught we thank you that it has qualities unlike any other word or book in the world it's your word it is perfect never misleads it reveals your mind teach us today illumine our minds so that we can receive from you what we need for our spiritual nourishment for our growing faith for our fortification in the truth that we might think are your thoughts after you. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Fall out from the fall. Salmon swim against a steam uh, stream en route to the place where they spawn the next generation of salmon. Christians are like salmon. We go against the flow. We're counter cultural. We're out of step. We have a different drum beat to which we march. Our beliefs and lifestyle, our worldview, in fact, are drawn from Scripture. And they counter the prevailing moral flow of society. Mother's Day affords the opportunity to address some of the differences between us and the world. Mother's Are one half of the pair that God created to engender children and to build a family and to rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. His creational intent for the foundational unit of society, the family, is being undermined by those who relentlessly promote anti biblical views regarding gender human sexuality and human self-understanding I don't think anyone in this room could not know that if you're aware of what's transpiring in our culture it is quite clear what is going on and those promoters of these this anti-biblical view or views are not ignorant uh, in their pursuit and in their agenda about what god has already declared these people know they know what god has said they are clearly in rebellion against him i asked you a moment ago to turn to romans chapter 1 verse 32 and the reason i did that i want to buttress what i just said with the truth of scripture for Romans one thirty-two, pen, of course, by Paul, clearly articulates the fact that these people who are anti-biblical, anti-God, anti-Christ, they are not ignorant of what they do. Verse 32, and although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. It's imperative for us to unpack this one verse here uh, to understand fully what i just said a moment ago in no uncertain terms it says here and although they know the ordinance of god pull out that word their ordinance it means basic standards of righteousness they know the divine decree they know what god has said about the practices in which they routinely engage in it in fact it is written on their heart. Romans chapter two, verse fifteen, every person born into the world has written, inscribed on their heart the moral law of God. Second thing I want us to pull out of this verse that those who practice the sins that are catalogued here in Romans chapter one are worthy of death. They understand that such things are worthy of death. What that means is they understand the divinely imposed death penalty, the punishment that's due them for those practices. The things that Romans 1 tells us that these individuals do as a practice, as a lifestyle, they are worthy of death. But not only that, another thing we pull out of this verse they not only do the same they practice these things but also they give hearty approval to those who practice them they not only are bent on damning themselves but congratulate others in doing the things that they know will bring their damnation how evil is that they do it and others who do it in rebellion against God they applaud them they support them They congratulate them. Now Paul, among other sins that are listed here in this first passage of Romans, he addresses the problem of the sins related to sexual behavior that is utterly contrary to the will of God. You need to understand that God did not create man in the way he is in terms of sexual expression. God didn't create men to do the things that they do. It is not God's fault. We don't blame him for our sin. We are accountable. We're responsible to our creator for the violation of his absolute moral laws. It's our fault. For when God created the human race, he created it without any imperfections or flaws. Let's look for our first point here, creation creation and you might want to turn there uh, not to creation itself but to genesis chapter one how important it is to ground our understanding in the truths of god's word first thing i want to say is this the human race is binary that is, it is composed of two parts. Genesis one twenty seven is clear about the binary character of the human race. It says this, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created He him, male and female. He created them. We see the binary nature of the human race in those two terms, male and female. Gender, therefore, is not an invention of human beings. It is not a matter of feeling. Our our gender is what it is because God has made us such. It is the product of divine design. This verse lets us also know that this is not a unisex world. There is a God-ordained difference and complementarity between the sexes complementarity meaning brings to completion god didn't stop with adam he created eve she was a complement to him our gender aligns with our biology the male and female genders are now you know this this is obvious are biologically and physiologically distinct they are biologically and physiologically male and female our, our anatomy is a dead giveaway regarding our sex. Everybody knows it, even it's so obvious we don't even think about it. If you receive news, a uh, text message or a phone call or however you get it and you, a child's been born, you want to know, is it a boy or is it a girl? Yeah. So everybody asks, even if you know ahead of time, you want to know so you can get the right color. Is it's a boy, oh, got to get the blue. If it's a girl, you get the pink. Is that right? That's how they do it now. This world's so confused, who knows? <laughs> Nobody says, oh, no, it's neither a boy nor a girl. It's an it. And it will decide later what it will, wants to be. No, 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 no. Our biological sex is not an accident. Do understand this. You were not born in the wrong body. You were born in the body God intended you to have. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There are some now uh, promulgating this idea that if you don't feel like the sex you're born in, that's not who you are, you got to get a change. No, that is not the way it is. God put you in the body that you he wanted you to have. He made you a male or a female on purpose. Amen. He made you a male or female on purpose for his purpose and for his glory psalm 139 he is verse 13 or so david writes this you wove me in my mother's womb it's david's extolling uh, the fact that in that very passage he's fearfully and wonderfully made he stands in awe of what god has done in creating him and he goes all the way into the womb and talk about how god knit him together god was superintending the process and david was made a male because god wanted david to be a male wanted him to be a man gender theory i've alluded to it i'll say it again asserts that gender is independent of biological sex but that's not the way it really is Sharon James, one of those books I I just talked to you about, states this way. To be male or female is written into the DNA of nearly every cell of our body. End of quote. Your DNA indicates what you are. You're a man. If you're a man or male, you're a woman. If you're female, your DNA gives you away. The creator, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit involved in the creation of the human race. Created the race with the capability of reproduction. That's why it says in verse 28, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth stop there at the comma as far as we're going to go with the topic that I'm addressing this morning the word uh, here tells us that God bless the first couple that word blessed means that the Lord gave the gender diverse couple the ability to reproduce after their kind this ability to reproduce is built into our anatomy I've said that and you know that don't you it's obvious complementarity remember that word it means brings to completion so God made these two with uh, bodies that were complementary so that they can reproduce now what God did after his creation he says in verse 31 of Genesis 1 God saw that all he made and behold it was very good very good he surveyed it and he pronounced it very good the omniscient omnipotent holy loving wise creator pronounced that his creation including adam and eve was very good that very good means it was free of imperfection it was free of evil it was free of death it was a very good creation it's what he means And all of the machinery of the creation, everything he created, he looked and saw. And since he knows everything, he can declare it is good. The original creation. Now, that's not the way it is. Now, imperfection, evil, and death dominate creation, does it not? It's inescapable. And for our purposes this morning we're talking about certain evils, the evils of immorality, homosexuality, transgenderism. All of these things are evil and they are a thing, there are things that are celebrated. Why the cause? What's ha- what happened? Our next point, corruption. The creation was corrupted. The fall of man, his first act of disobedience to his creator is what the fall of man is. It had plunged a whole human race into sin. And we've been living with the eroding, corrupting effects of sin ever since Adam and Eve sinned. No one escapes it everyone who's ever been born into the world except the Lord Jesus Christ has come into this world with a fallen nature is corrupt and everything about us has the taint of corruption totally depravity all of that that's the reality of human life and it happened in Genesis 3 there is personal corruption personal sin it leads to death corruption of the earth itself this planet grows that's why we had all these tor- 14 tornadoes this past week Expression of, of the groaning of the creation because it's been corrupted because of Adam's sin who was have dominion over it but, but because of his sin uh, disobeying his sovereign God then God did that to that which Adam had sovereignty over and so we've been experiencing the difficulties of it ever since then there's corruption in interpersonal relationships sin inevitably and inexorably like quicksand Pulls downward from God's truth, holiness, we see the fallout. In our topic talking about uh, sexual expressions which are contrary to the will of God, we see it in the earliest generations of the human race. Think about it. Do understand that these sins predate by centuries, millennia, the United States of America. It may be relatively new to this time period, some of the things that we see, but it is not new. The book of Genesis records these illicit things. Let me just give you the list. Polygamy, demonic perversion, lewdness, adultery or near adultery, fornication, incest, rape, prostitution, sexual harassment, homosexuality, sexual harassment, who would thought, you thought that was a modern thing? It is not. Remember in Genesis 39, uh, Joseph was put over Potiphar's house and Mrs. Potiphar, she looked at him and said, I want him. And she harassed him. Come come lie with me. Sexual harassment. We're not even out of the book of Genesis, it appears. (laughs) Everybody wondering around, oh, sexual harassment is a new thing no it is not homosexuality all these things are found in Genesis these are the things that are recorded so from the earliest time in human history we see the fallout from the fall in sexual deviancy now you need to understand because of the uh, Christian influence and uh, the moral consensus that this country has experienced for a time certain sexual sins were stigmatized for instance, Robin Roberts, Roberts of Good Morning America recently said she had been afraid to come out as a lesbian. That fear made her afraid to interview President Obama for a fear of being exposed, and that was back in 2012. She did the interview anyway, but she didn't know if that would come up. Ten years later, she freely acknowledges her lesbianism. I hope I didn't shock some of you about Robin. There has been a massive cultural shift on the issue of homosexuality. LGBTQ and Q1A, the letters keep going, numbers. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, gender, queer, and queer, questioning. It's a corruption of human sexuality. They call it a human right. God calls it sin. It's his attitude. In fact, he codified his attitude about these uh, perversions sexually in Leviticus chapter 18, verses verse 22 and chapter 20, verse 13. And these sins violate God's design for marriage and the family. He established it at creation and you know what's interesting nowhere has he rescinded his original creational intent it's the same when they came to jesus in matthew 19 wondering about how can you get rid of your wife you know the pharisees he says in the beginning it's not so he talked about the creation he made them male and female Leviticus views homosexuality as morally equal, now get this, to such sins as adultery, incest, and bestiality. Christian writer John Walton explains, quote, as with adultery, incest, bestiality, homosexuality, homosexuality is wrong because of the nature of the sexual partner. An illicit sexual partner may be married to someone else. Adultery. Adultery may be a close relative, incest, may be an animal, bestiality, and may be someone of the same gender, homosexuality. Walton continues, monogamous homosexual relationships are no more acceptable than only committing adultery with one person. End of quote. Creation was flawless. Flawless. The corruption entered the creation, and we've seen, and we're experiencing the consequences of it. Creation, corruption, consequences. Back to Romans, if you'd like. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. What people uh, fail to grasp I think except for biblically informed Christians is what Romans 1.18 unambiguously articulates for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness notice the present tense is is being revealed. God's wrath is being unleashed even now against people who do these things. There's future wrath, yes. There's a lake of fire, that's eternal wrath. There's eschatological wrath, yes, that's coming. But there's wrath right now against people who are ungodly and unrighteous, unrighteous, and who suppress the whole down the truth and unrighteousness. God's wrath is revealed against that. Divine wrath is a fallout from the fall. Now, this passage is worthy of uh, um, going through it, each verse and explaining all that Paul writes here. But We can't do that today. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pull out some things. Is that okay with you? Thank you. So verse 24. <laughs> verse, verse 24. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Because people are guilty and accountable for their rejection of the knowledge of God that's available to them. Where is that knowledge available to them? It's found in verses 21 through 23. So they rejected that. and Therefore in verse 24 is God's response to their rejection. And what does he do? He gave them over. This is a divine act. God, like a judge who gives over, hands over a prisoner to punishment that he has earned. But the reality is, God is the judge of all the earth and he hands over to punishment those who have rejected the knowledge of him. He says, because you refuse the knowledge of me, I will turn you over. I will judicially turn you over. I will judge you. I will hand you over to your sin." it's the wrath of God it's divine abandonment he permits them to pursue their evil activity and I I do also believe in this though God is active the active agent in this he is the one who's these people who are engaged in this they're relentless in it they will not turn from their sin and repent God says okay because you do that here you go have at it But also, it's a lack of restraining grace. It's a consequence. Consequence. The immoral activity is um, an act of judgment is judged by God by handing them over. And they have this terrible cycle of increasing Sin. It's not all. You'll notice in the verse. He gave them over in the lust. Turns them over to their lust. Of their hearts. It's internal. Do get this. If you don't get anything, I hope you get more. But get this. Every action that people commit that's in violation of God's word begins in the heart. It's in the heart. At the core of the person. And he turned them over to impurity. God does. Acarthia, Akartias, that's the word. In the Greek it refers to sexual immorality. Impurity. So that their bodies would be dishonored among them disgraced dishonored and degraded by their sexual immorality so we sin when people sin sexually they sin against god but they also sin against their own bodies let me say this first corinthians chapter 6 verse 10 the body is not for immorality but for the lord and the lord is for the body if you're a christian you're not to do that sexual immorality um You dishonor your own body. You sin against your own body. You're sinning against God. And these unrepentant sinners, God said, I'll turn you over to your sin. They refused the true God, verse 25. They'd rather uh, believe a lie and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. Degrading passions connoting the actions that are against God's will. May I, let me tell you what's going on in our culture. People running around thinking uh, they're experiencing their freedom. What they don't know is God has turned them over. They don't know that. They think they're doing their thing and they're free to do whatever they want with their sexual expression. I'm okay. I can do what I want and all that business. God says, you know what? I've turned you over. The Bible's clear here. Verse 26 degrading passions. For their women exchanged a natural function for that which is unnatural. So, why does he start off with the women instead of the men? I'll tell you what, when society gets so debased that the women are doing it, you know, it's in trouble. And this happened, this is ancient society. Lesbianism was a great reality during those days. Paul writes for their women, literally, their female ones. Paul puts it this way to show the perversity of homosexuality by juxtaposing its confusion. Homosexuality's confusion with the divine, quote, male and female, he created them. You see what they do? They confuse the created order by their behavior. There's no confusion in the created order, male and female. They're distinct but engaged in lesbianism this sin of homosexuality then there is a confusion exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural natural that word uh, pertains to the created order now some people like to uh, try to find a way out of the clear teaching of scripture and they want to say well Paul is really speaking about sexual orientation Rather than to create an order, well, that's not so because the word uh, used here for natural is kata fison, against nature, and that's exactly what Paul means. Sexual orientation is completely foreign to the thought of the Apostle Paul. He meant exactly, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, what he penned. Function. It's another word. We need to understand what it means. Sexual intercourse. Hmm. For that which is against nature. Sexual aberration. The men do the same. Verse 27 In the same way, also the men abandon the natural function of the woman. And burned in their desire for one another, the lusts flamed, inflamed. Men with men committing indecent acts, disgraceful acts. As what as again, that word, the, the words, uh, degrading passion, driven by twisted expression of creative design. I think if you'd uh, go with me to First uh, Timothy, please. First Timothy. First Timothy, Chapter One. Paul gives a list of uh, sins of lawless men. What they do? Beginning in verse 9, 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says this. Realizing the fact that law, talking about divine law, is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals. Let's stop there. This is our topic. Is this litany of uh, lawless behavior. That word homosexuals literally means males in the marriage bed. Males in the marriage bed. That's what it literally means. You see, the Greek word behind the word translated to homosexuals here is a compound word, uh, two components. The first one, uh, in the co- compounded word is a specific word for males with a strong emphasis on sex. The other word generally means bed and is a euphemism for sexual intercourse. You look at the Greek lexica or dictionaries, you put it like that, that's what it means. So that's what Paul is talking about. Some people nowadays allege that, well, the reason they do that is because God made them that way. Did I not say that earlier? They want to blame God? Really? The people of Sodom and Gomorrah wouldn't say that. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't think so. Craig Blumberg writes quote what genetic component may contribute to homosexual predispositions remains to be determined but like inherent predispositions of alcoholism violence or various diseases such a component if demonstrated would be and get this offshoot of the fall not creation Equally crucially, genetic predispositions never exempt humans from biblical standards and accountability before God for moral or immoral behavior. It's because of the fall. Everybody perhaps has a predisposition to something, right? You're yeah. still accountable to God for it. You sin. Now, I need to add this, uh, because of the fall, there are some people who are born as intersex or hermaphroditic, the ambiguity in the genitalia. That's because of the fall. You need to understand that. See, we sinned, and that sin that we sin unleashed all of this in the world. And so our our worldview is, this is a world in rebellion against God. You have to understand that. If you don't understand that, you don't understand this is a world in rebellion against God. It's a world that's sinful and cursed by God, and his wrath is being poured out against sin constantly. If you don't grasp those truths, you're going to always wonder, what's going on in the world? I don't ever ask that question. I know what's going on, because I know what the Bible says. You have to have a Christian worldview. Amen. Thank you, sir. You have to have a Christian worldview. Some people say, well, you know, uh, and sadly, this isn't the church. When I say church, I'm not talking about ours. I'm talking about the church universal. They want to compromise. They want to kind of have a place... For excusing what people do in this arena of sexual sin, particularly homosexuality, by excusing um, the lustful impulses, the uh, same sex attraction. Well, uh, that's what the same, so we can understand they have the same sex attraction. Scripture does not allow for that whatsoever. Did you not know that sinful impulses are themselves sinful? I think that escapes people when they're trying to find a way to excuse people. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Colossians three verse five. Paul is writing to Christians. Look at the word here. Therefore therefore is because of the things he said in the previous verses. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Literally it is put to death. Immorality. Immorality is a general term for sexual sin. Impurity. Passion. Evil desire. (laughs) You see that? Evil desire. You don't have to actually do the sin to be guilty of sinning. You've got the evil desire. You're guilty. You have to put that to death too. So don't say, well, I didn't do it. Well, I'm glad you didn't. Just compound your sin. Just one less thing you have to confess. But you have to confess what you did. It was in your heart. It's you to put that to death too. These impulses must be put to death. Now look what God says in verse 6 to the pen of Paul. He says, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. People will not get away. Now I've shared this text with you innumerable times. I'll share it again with you. 1 Corinthians 6. And bring out a point. 2 I think 1 Corinthians 6 I was uh, reading this the other day and it occurred to me I thought about it in a little um, in an expanded sense put it a little differently than I have before not that I deny anything it says I'll explain what I'm saying here in a moment Verse 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's, let me stop here. D- do you not know that? That statement, just simply reading it, you can get, pass over and not think about it. You know what that is saying? Will not inherit the kingdom of God, the final manifestation of the full kingdom. What that means is they will experience an eternal penalty. If you're not in the kingdom of God... You're elsewhere. Where is that? You're separated from God's kingdom outside the sphere of salvation and you are enduring an eternal penalty. That's what it means. So don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, and all the list goes on will enter the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen. People who practice those things will endure the penalty penalty. Eternally, don't let anybody fool you, don't be deceived because that is what will transpire. Well, we've looked at creation and corruption, consequence one more compassion. Fallout from the fall means that man cannot deliver himself from his spiritual condition. He's trapped in his sin. He is in a kind of supermax prison for which he cannot escape. He cannot right himself with his creator. God is holy and he is sinful. There's nothing he can do about it. Divine wrath is being poured out on him now. And in the future, if he dies in his sins without repentance, divine eternal wrath awaits him then. Man has no way out. But, but for, I was hearing some lawyers, the lawyers in the room can tell me this. I think uh, I've heard lawyers say, but for, and then they're going to explain to the others. I like that. But for God's mercy, but for the love of God and the compassion for God so loved the world. That's his redemptive love and we never want to lose sight of that god loved the world so loved that the intensity of his love is such that he sent his only or his unique son into the world now the world what does he mean he is meaning lost humanity that lost humanity includes lgbtq one a people He has compassion on them as well as heterosexuals who are sinners he has compassion on sinners isn't that good news because that means he had compassion on you if you're a child of God it's compassion on sinners um, you know how sometimes you know what scripture teaches and sometimes you're uh, You make a connection and a thought. I was doing that this morning. And as I was thinking about this verse, I recalled that Paul had written to the first Corinthians, or to the Corinthians, that they had been called, but they had also been chosen. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 20, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Chosen, he has chosen you. You verse 26 he says what you were like you corinthians you know you were um not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble but god has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and god has chosen the weak talking about us and here's the connection i made this morning guess what god had chosen some homosexuals Passed. Before they were born, they came to the world, they're involved in this awful sin, but God had already chosen them to salvation. How do you know that? Because He says in First Corinthians chapter six, verse eleven, Such were some of you. And there are people who come to faith in Jesus Christ who are in that sin. God is a savior. Paul writes in Romans 1 for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek the righteousness that sinners need is found in the gospel when a person believes the gospel God grants them righteousness he grants them right standing for for before him he changes them in the new birth and they then are right with him. That's why we're not ashamed of the gospel. It changes all kinds of sinners, right? No matter what kind of sinner you were, you needed the gospel and the gospel changed you. That's the good news. Let me conclude. Christians, we're living in a world that's shifting culturally rapidly. We're going downhill. And I don't know where the brakes are going to come to stop it. Unless God intervenes with a massive revival, where he sweeps massive numbers of people into the kingdom, we're going to keep this downward slope in our generation but in the face of all this is what we must do as believers we must hold fast to the divinely real revealed truth we can't compromise it we need to be the ones that are going to stand up and tell people no this is what god says we can't lie to people or hide the truth from them it's loving to tell people the truth right Who would consider a doctor loving that came out and said instead of telling you you have terminal cancer oh you're just having a bad day. You're going to be okay. That's criminal. We must tell people yes you've sinned against God and eternity awaits and without repentance and faith you will spend eternity separated from him. God loves redemptively he'll save you if you turn from your sin. We have to share the truth. We have to do it lovingly. We don't beat them up. I tell you, that doesn't save anybody. They'll just be turned off. Share the gospel. That it may liberate lost men and women. And hold fast to the faith. Hold fast to the truth. Model godly families. Teach the truth of the word of God to your children. Don't back down, don't back away. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, thank you that we are like an island in a sea of immorality. We found safe harbor because of your mercy. And I pray that you uh, help us in humility to broadcast the gospel near and far. Be used by you to bring men and women to saving knowledge of Christ no matter what their sin has been or is. We pray you redeem for your glory and for their well-being now and for eternity. We pray that you strengthen us and fortify us by the truths that we know from your word. Graciously uh, teach it to others. Model it before others. That you may use us accomplish your saving purpose in the life of people and all of these things we pray in the name of christ amen we're here this morning you um